0: Hello and welcome to Views from the Market, Mid-Market Private Equity and M&A in Canada. My name is Mario Negro. I'm a partner in the Private Equity and M&A group at Steckman Elliott. For today's podcast, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Bruno Supa. Bruno is the CEO of BDO Canada. Bruno, welcome. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Mario.
0: Bruno, I know you've been a, a dealmaker for many, many years and we've worked on a number of transactions together. Now you're obviously leading the BDO Canada team. Love to start by hearing a little bit about your history, your past, your journey, and how you got to where you where you are now. It's a fascinating story.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Our, our time goes way back and uh it is and feels like a long, long time ago, but uh it's it's been an interesting one for sure. So at now at this point, I said, as you mentioned as the CEO of BDO Canada. So just to give it some context and, and dimension, we're approximately 500 partners and 5,000 people, and, and we're servicing clients across the country, both with domestic needs as, as well as global. The, the global network now is fifth largest, and uh, we're nearly, might actually be over 100,000 people globally, which is, uh, which is pretty crazy in terms of growth and, and scale. One interesting fact, the profile and segmentation of our, of our service offering has grown tremendously since uh, even when we would have first met, uh, as an example of that, we now have a technology consulting practice that 's almost a thousand people strong, so that represents about a fifth of our firm and, and probably one of the fastest growing areas of our our business as well and much of that growth over uh, the years has been through m a itself so this is work that I and others have have done to you know to, to bring in and merge in firms of different service lines, not just uh, assurance or or accounting and tax businesses but tech consulting practices and other areas of, uh, of advisory uh, as well. Um, I started my career way back with BDO in the audit group. So CPA by, by profession, uh, CPA, And then uh, I started uh, what was at the time, this is probably where we first first met, the, uh, uh, the origins of our CF practice, our corporate finance practice. But I, I was mainly doing distressed work. I, I cut my teeth on distressed M&A in and around and just before the global credit crisis. And uh, I left BDO to another firm uh, to work in, in that firm's uh, corporate finance group and then came back uh, what's now about 11 or 12 years ago to manage our internal corp dev function. So that's where we would have done a lot of uh, this firm development and firm M&A. And, and that that number is well above 100 million in, in added revenue and thousand plus people uh, way over that at this point over a course of about 3 to 4 maybe 5 years and we're still going strong in fact just today as we're recording this uh we, uh, we announced that um we've completed a a deal it's the the purchase of uh, the Saskatchewan practice of PwC its audit uh, accounting and tax practice um so that just closed uh today uh and uh, you know we'll be making announcements ar- around that but that's uh we continue to be busy with m and to, to bolster uh, strategic geographies, as well as service lines that, that fit with where we want to go as, a, as an organization, as a business. You know, after spending time within our corp dev function, I took on our client external market facing corporate finance group, which was at the time only a few people and we we grew that pretty significantly now i mean i think about folks in our world in canada alone who are servicing transaction needs of clients like that that number's got to be at least 200 people across a, a bunch of different areas sell side buy side MA, diligence val support um, you know all those types of services that are in and around transactions um, so it's been a tremendous amount of growth within our uh, transaction practices and you know i'm i'm proud of that group in particular because i, I really do feel like when it comes to Especially mid-market private company transactions, we've got we've got some of the best practitioners out there.
0: Bruno, I, you know, you and I have worked on a lot of mid-market deals together, and you know, I, I consider you you to be a you know a true mid-market guy. You've you've seen a lot over the years. Now you bring another perspective in your role, your leadership role, and you know, one of the things I know we've talked over the years is you know what drives the mid-market deal activity. And the, you know, the growing presence of private equity in our mid market. And and I want to get a sense of you as a firm, because, you know, obviously you were on the ground dealing with private equity on the deal side. Now you're looking at from a macro perspective. Curious how your firm looks at that kind of deal activity and particularly the nature of those kind of buyers and that work.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think there's a handful of things to unpack there. I think I'll maybe start at a, a bit more of a macro uh, level because I think uh, the, these things have impact on various parts of our our business. You know, I think we're we're at interesting times, right? I mean, the consensus is, is that we're facing recessionary times and you know by the end of Q1, 2023 we'll we'll be fully into it. And that sort of sits at around a, a 70 to 75 percent chance of existence in in early 2023. But the reality is, is that there's still a bunch of conflicting data points in terms of uh, its severity and, and probability, right? You know, some state that we could be as deep as uh, 3% contraction in, in GDP and and a significant rise in unemployment, you know, while as others sort of they temper that a little bit and and set expectation of it not nearly being as bad as one might expect. A bit more of a reset or a pause or similar to these, uh, these dips and quick recoveries that have been uh, true over the last decade or so. And, and really just in respect of reigning in inflation, supply chain problems and, and some of the labor shortages that, that we've been dealing with, you know, like like many uh, uh, people based businesses, uh, talent shortages, finding capacity. Uh, these are these are having um, impacts on our business and driving strategy just in terms of automation, um, in, embedding um, um, evolved uh, technology within our business and, you know, also the, the reality of uh, of going out there and finding talent and uh, and making sure that we're building um, resilience within uh, within our own delivery ch- uh, chain, right? Our own supply chain, and that that includes things like onshore and offshore outsourcing as well. So you know, and also our strategy in respect of M right? Like you know, I, I think um, like any. Uh, any period of downturn, it's um, it's a good time for those who are well capitalized to, to take a look at the market and look at assets that are going to help to fuel growth on rebound. And, and it's no different for us, although, you know, I think some of the assets uh, of interest, especially within the technology space, um, despite the fact that you, you do see a little bit of discretionary spend slowdown within the clients that we're, we're servicing big and small. You know the truth is is that a lot of the digital and technology transformation that's happening these are existential issues that still need to get funded and still need to get done for for businesses so you know while some of it is slowed down we we certainly see areas in and around cloud migration and and cloud architecture that they're still funded and and they're still uh they're still proving to be fairly resilient but interest rates are you know we, we saw what's happened there that I think the expectation is that we'll move even more through 2023 as a way to curtail inflation. I mean, I'm not an economist, so I'm not gonna gonna argue the pros and cons of it, but it it is a reality, it has been a reality, and it's gonna do things to businesses, whether businesses we're interested in potentially merging or acquiring as BDO, uh, or the businesses we're we're advising. And, you know, it's not a movie we haven't seen before, and and there are some pretty uh, obvious, I think, uh, maybe not so obvious, but but recommended courses of action when you start to see some of these economic headwinds. you know, looking at operations in a particular way and making sure that you're, you're spending concerted effort and time looking at operational plans, you know, what made sense pre-recession may not remain. And, and you need to make sure that you're you know, we're all busy reviewing this in a, in a proactive way. Uh, the old adage uh, cash is queen, right, or cash is cash is king, reviewing our business models, making sure that, that it's what the market can bear and looking at longer term agreements that might help to uh, mitigate vo- volatility within the market.
0: Bruno, obviously, we're working through some turbulent times, markets going in crazy directions, where the future holds when it comes to the economy is still uncertain. want to get your perspective on what you see going forward for the rest of the year and for 2023 and some of the kind of strategies and ideas that you're using and thinking about at, at BDO.
1: Yeah, so uh, I think what, what's interesting is just people during downturn will will look to talent rationalization or, or cuts within uh, within their people, and that flies in the face of what you and I are likely experiencing in the world of professional services, which is very you know difficulty in finding people to to start with, right? So you know th- those two things are are kind of tough to to reconcile and. Thankfully, I think uh, we've been able to find a path to uh, different ways to deal and to manage with that, and you know I, I think growth is still definitely the mantra on our side, so you know attracting and retaining and growing through uh, talented professionals is still the uh you know the the mandate and the operations for for us but you know if I think about clients, you know that that's something that you want to make sure that your your operating model uh, both operating model and balance sheet are are in order such that you're able to withstand any uh, any potential downturn you know regardless of of length or uh, severity
0: bruno i know i mean bdo is active in the private equity space you know you as a deal guy i know you and i worked on many a transaction with private equity involved i want to get a sense of your thoughts as a deal maker who's- worked with private equity and their role in the marketplace. And we've talked about this many times, the increasing role of private equity. And I get a sense from you and its importance for BDO and what you're seeing in the market from a deal perspective and and the role of private equity firms.
1: Yeah, you got it. Like, And, and absolutely, we, we still see. I mean, it's obvious the growing importance of private equity in terms of, of helping to meet the demand of succession within Canada, but more broadly, North America. I mean, we, we saw this play out in the U.S. In a, in a big way because in reality, the maturity of its private equity markets would have been um, or market would have been uh, a, a little bit ahead of where where we are. But we've in Canada, but we've definitely uh, we've definitely played catch up uh, and we are continuing to. And we, we see that within the BDO network, we see that playing out and has played out you know, an ex- as an example. With our U.S. firm, there's a substantial amount of its revenue that's tied to either fund or portfolio company. You know, when I I think about the Canadian context, obviously, we've got a GDP that is still um, really and is tied uh, significantly to the SMB space. And many of our core clients are our SMB clients. You know, if I think about stratification, we probably have somewhere around 60 to 70 percent would be classified technically uh, as SMB businesses. by StatsCan uh, measure, which is less than 100 people, 100 employees. You know, the, these firms, we, we notice these businesses, they're, they're actively being pursued by private equity firms in Canada and the U.S., in some cases as platforms, depending on the size of the fund, and in other cases uh, as, as bolt-on acquisitions. And, and this has been our experience and continues to fund the funnel, uh, if you will. In, in in terms of like uh, in terms of GDP, if you look at the Canadian economy, SMB represents about fifty percent of Canadian um, Canadian GDP, and it has for for many years. And I don't I don't really see this changing in the near future. You you've got a maybe a bigger bigger beta within SMB, so you know uh, the the build and and sometimes uh, and oftentimes, unfortunately, the failure of SMB businesses tends to be a little bit higher in that segment. But uh, it still makes up a big big part and. Uh, You know, I think that when we look at SMB businesses, you think about like the private equity model and the idea of purchasing and uh, with a view of accelerating growth and professionalizing businesses, SMB clients can be even more interesting to private equity in that respect because uh, they often need the bench and expertise uh, to be able to grow and to be able to professionalize and, and to extract some of that value. And for us, they're interesting because those SMB clients once invested Uh, into by private equity, they become more of a consumer of the types of services that we provide uh, to enable uh, the type of growth and returns that private equity is looking for.
0: Yeah, I always ask this of our uh, guests, and I particularly want to ask this of you, Bruno, because you you bring up you know, broad perspective, given, you know, obviously the different roles you're playing as the leader of BDO Canada, but you know, you, it's, I call it the crystal ball question in terms of where you see things going and what you're focused on as the leader of your organization for the future. And obviously you're trying to manage a lot of conflicting macro forces and all, but when you look at where you are and where you look at this market, where it's going, where are you focused on in terms of, and and what trends do you see coming in, in 23 that you're kind of staying, trying to stay ahead of?
1: Yeah, I think transaction work and when I say transaction work, I, you know, I think about what we were just talking about with private equity continuing its March. I mean, I everyone you talk to, I'm sure can cite the trillions of dollars of, of dry powder. I mean, I think uh, the Canadian portion of that continues to grow and continues to be aggressive. I think that we might, because of some of the economic, uh, and, and this is just my position based on my read, but uh, if I look at some of the economic conditions we talked about before, we might start to see larger, larger transactions slow. I think that we saw that in the last economic downturn uh, as well um, during the great financial crisis you know, with a little bit of a slower return to normalcy. But if you, if you look at stats and, and look at what happened the last time, when you apply that to SMB or even like a next category of, of mid-market enterprise, so businesses that have anywhere from zero to 500-ish employees based on stats can definitions, uh there's high quality assets there and you know especially when you you also layer in uh, foreign exchange uh you've lived this too mario i know we we both have uh us buyers become more canadian uh focused right and and just because of the uh, of similarities and because of the discount that uh the us dollar offers um or the canadian dollar offers to uh to us dollars and us buyers so you know I, I'm a big believer in in more macro influences and it it driving trends and and the the wealth transfer has not slowed down. I mean it, it's a it's still a regular conversation that we're having with uh, with our private clients and I think that'll hold true for the next uh, the next decade. So that I don't think that one's going away. We also still see a uh, a trend in go privates you know public to private deals. Um, th- th- those tend to be a little bit larger and so maybe offset the comment I made earlier, but. The, the same drivers, weak Canadian dollar, depressed stock prices, and, and really solid assets that that sit underneath them. Um, so just some of the things I think uh, you know, that we're paying attention to. And then you know what what comes by virtue of that, if we if we look at our service offering as a firm, we do a lot of work with private equity firms in corporate finance. So whether that's diligence or sell side, uh, buy side advisory valuation, but those relationships are now starting to really materially expand into tax and technology and more of the uh, sort of well-rounded service offering that, that we provide, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the, with a mandate to, to grow and build value and a relatively shorter bench at times, private equity firms will turn to, to firms like ours to, to help assist to, in that value creation exercise. And we, we also specifically have a group focused on, on value creation and that, that's more along the lines of operational efficiencies and implementing some of the things that need to get done over a three to five year horizon investment horizon to build up value within their uh, port coast. and I mentioned like this experience is holding true across the globe if I look south and if I look across the Atlantic both our UK and our US firms are still very strategically focused on on private equity for us it creates uh, you know some complexity in terms of managing independence and conflicts but you know th- those are things that we're investing in to manage um, both nationally and and globally as as well you know beyond private equity I think about the impact of, of innovation and change, both uh, the way that we operate as an organization, as well as the way in which we service our clients or the services that we're providing. Many of the largest transactions that we've done as a firm have been uh, within the technology and digital uh, services space. And uh, you know that's something that, that we plan to continue to forge ahead. I mean, the future is digital. That's not going backwards and, and something that we know we need as an organization to, to modernize you know, to develop the next list of services that are going to be in demand by our clients that are going to be on the back of of digital models and digital delivery and service models, but also help our clients transform their businesses as well.
0: And Bruno, it sounds like at least from the perspective of the firm, you're still a buyer looking for assets. You're not slowing down because of this market. You're uh, actively looking I mean, as you said, you had just picked up another um, accounting firm that, you know, was obviously a strategic fit for you, but you, it sounds like you're still a buyer out there in the M&A market as a firm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our trend has been, you know, and, and mind you, again, you know, we, we talked about the there's, there's been a bit of a run over the last decade or so, but the, the trend has been um, a relatively material on average number of transactions we've done as a firm per year uh, added revenue somewhere between 25 to 30 million per year. And I don't see that slowing down. You know, there, there's a bunch of things that continue to drive consolidation within professional services as well. you know that that includes things like investments in technology. you know it's incredibly expensive to be able to invest so you, you need you need scale to be able to spin up the types of uh, tools that are going to help modernize our, our businesses. and you know that that becomes a bit of a challenge for smaller organizations and smaller firms where, you know that infrastructure. It's something we're actively investing in, have invested in, and and can be leveraged um, at, at mass and, and on scale. And if I think about private equity and professional services, I'm I'm not going to comment on the changes in, in the professional services uh, market, uh, including some of the the firms and you know moves that they're making in terms of separating assurance and non-assurance work, but. It definitely seems like um, there are private equity firms out there that have become more comfortable with investment the investment thesis and plans uh, for professional services. You know, we, we've noticed this a little bit that some of the assets that, you know, that we're looking at in terms of M&A as a firm, um, we're also seeing private equity interested in those businesses as well. And, you know, that's, that's a relatively new phenomenon.
0: I want to thank you. Uh, We covered a lot of really interesting topics. It was great to get your perspective, both from a kind of macro and then also from just right in the trenches, the M&A perspective from the trenches. So so thank thank you so much for joining us today.
1: You got it. It's my pleasure. It was fun.